Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey, good morning, you guys. How you doing? How you doing? So we're... um... Uh, we're in this series right now called Gifted, and we're wrapping it up today. It was just a three-part series. We've been talking about the gifts, um, the spiritual gifts, and the motivational gifts. And I'm really excited today to be kind of bringing this series to a close because we're really talking about the things that, that the reason we have to gather, the reason we have to call ourselves a church. How long have you been attending church um, uh, you know, you may have attended church, and then there was some gap, and then you started. But just this last season, how long have you been attending church? Has it been some time? Has it been a long time? I, you know, I, as, as near as I can remember, I think I grew up going to church. So I'm 44, so I guess 44 years with just a couple breaks here and there. Um, you know, some of you, maybe this is, uh, this could be your first time today. Exciting for you. That's cool. Um, or maybe you've been in for a year or two. Um, I was thinking about this, about this idea of how we, how we decide to get up in the morning and go to church and see if this sounds familiar to you, this idea that, you know, maybe you first found church uh, all those years ago or however long it was ago. Maybe you first found a church because you saw a cool sign or a snappy website or maybe, maybe you, um, someone invited you, you know, that'd be cool. And you went and, the, and, the, and maybe the preaching wasn't terrible and the music Sounded okay, you know, and pretty good. And, and, but maybe some people were nice to you. Does this sound familiar at all? Uh, maybe some people were nice, and so you started coming because you liked how it made you feel. And then, and then you continued to come because it made you want to be a better person. And, um, you know, sometimes you, uh, uh, some wild Sundays, you even think about maybe doing something about some of the things that are being said, you know. And, um, but, but, you know, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, maybe you might have thought, had a thought like, you know, if things changed or it wasn't to my liking or was different than what I liked, I'd go somewhere else. You know, I'd, I'd find some other place to go, find another place that suits my needs. Does that, does that sound familiar? I, I think a lot of people, that's kind of their experience with church. That's kind of how they do it, how they get up in the morning and think about going to church or not going to church. I... I um, this week I was like, I don't know why, I just got on this kick. I read a lot of Yelp reviews. I read a lot of just about anything, like any subject, any kind of, and this week I was like, churches must have Yelp reviews. And I started looking, holy moly, if you want an exciting journey into the darkness of human thought, there is, I started reading Yelp reviews for churches. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there's lots of great ones. Actually, some of those are really funny too. But I just started collecting some one-star reviews from churches. None of the ones I'm about to read are about this church or any church you've been to. I mean, these are all, like, outside of California, but, but can I read a couple of these to you? So someone uh, going by the handle plant-based, um, this is their title, plant-based, uh, left this run, one-star review. The church was lovely, but I'm giving it a one-star review because when I ate in the church cafe following the service, I was horrified to find out there was a hair in my food. Also, my friend had a hair in her food. We'd rather go to McDonald's up the road. The music was nice, though. <laughs> Someone named Donald Douglas gave a one-star review to this church. He said, he said, great church, 
for climate change deniers. So I think that was an ironic, <laughs> kind of ir ironic compliment there. Uh, someone named Kat Endy gave this one star review. She said, maniacs, frighteningly fanatic and happy, over the top vibes, not a place for one with anxiety. Also, they only serve regular coffee. I feel like those are connected. You see how those like all kind of like, creates a thought? I want to talk to Kat Indy. Um, Joanna Hugh gives this one-star review. Jesus once healed a deaf man. I wonder after visiting this church, who will heal God's ears after the ear-splitting volume of the music and the ear-piercing shrieks of the pastor hyping the crowd? That might have been about us last Sunday, actually. Um, Dylan Aldis gives this one-star review. If you'd like to see God's love extended in a real and authentic way, this isn't the church for you. The, the animations are stunning, but no one will give you the time of day. Oh, that's brutal. That's not what you want. Uh, someone named Alf Corin gives this one-star review. I was there last Sunday, and Ben Watson wasn't the best at lighting, so can you please talk to him about his behavior? I feel like that's more of a review about Ben Watson than it is that church. I feel like Ben Watson and Alf need to get together. Here's this last one. This is by a guy named Michael Keezers. One-star review. Pretty short. He says, bit churchy for me. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is what Jesus intended, right? I'm not sure if this is what Jesus intended for his church. Uh, I had a great time reading those reviews, but at the end of it, I felt a little like, wow, you know? I don't think this is what, his, what he intended. You know, Jesus gives this manifesto for us, this, this, this teaching on how we should live, and right in the middle of the book of Matthew, and, um, and he says this in Matthew 7, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. Meaning, for most people who live on this earth, most people, all there is is to be born, to live some kind of life, and then to die. And that's all they'll know. And, and that's all they expect to know. Broad is that road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But he goes on to say, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And of course, he's talking about not just life, but life eternal. Um, and that's life lived now that is influenced by the eternal and the hope that we have that there is an eternal life beyond this one in the resurrection. And only a few find it, he says. If it's true that only a few find this life, this road that leads to life, wouldn't it wouldn't it be the responsibility of those few to share this discovery with as many people as possible? Wouldn't that be true? You know, true, it's true that church is not a product for consumption, even though we sometimes treat it that way, like a Yelp review, you know? It's a, the scripture tells us it's an organism. It's a living organism. It's not a spectator sport. In fact, sports is a good analogy for how Americans have largely kind of treated church. Think about this. So you go to a special place, to watch special people do special things. And you watch. And you're entertained by it. You know, have you ever heard a sports fan? I love, I love sports fans. I really do. Have you ever heard a sports fan be like, oh, I got season tickets because our, our team needs us more than ever? Do they, though? 
They don't know you exist. What they need from you, what they need from you is to go there and buy a hot dog. That's what they need from you. But that's, that's, that's the deal, right? That's, I mean, isn't that how we've seen and maybe even participated in treating church like that? And in fact, Paul gives us another paradigm completely. He, over and over in his letters, he reminds us that the church is much more like a body, that every person plays a role, and that role is connected to everything else and filled with purpose. So here's my question I want to ask you as we look at these scriptures, and this is the question I want us to think about is that, have you ever wondered if maybe God has something important for you to do in life? Have you ever wondered if maybe there's more than just to be born, to live some kind of life, and then to die? Have you wondered if that's the case? We started out this series reading from Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in, in other words, in light of how good he's been to you and to me, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. So what exists inside of your body? All, all of you, right? Do you, do you keep parts of yourself outside of your body somewhere? Do you have some outboard storage somewhere, off-site? No, it's, this is the whole thing. It's all in here. Now, you are not just your body, but all of you is contained within your body. So when he says, offer your body, he's saying give everything, everything you have in living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to your God. This is, this is your true and proper worship. If you never sang a song the rest of your life, but you devoted all of yourself to the service of the kingdom, that would be your true and proper worship. There's something deeply connected about this concept of total worship and our ability to see and know God's life. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what's, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Would you like to know what God's will is? Wouldn't you like to know? I, I certainly would. It's connected to this idea that we give him everything. So we're going to read a few verses from the letter of the Apostle Paul so we can talk about this. Um, and these verses are contained within chapter 4. So if you brought a Bible or you have a device you pull up your Bible on or you like to take notes, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. However, I, want to, I won't have this up on the screen, but I'm just going to read you verse 1 of Ephesians because I want to show you who, who he's writing to. Okay? He says, this is how uh, Ephesians starts. He starts the letter by saying this, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. In other words, he's saying, hey guys, it's me, it's Paul, that's how we know who wrote it. And then he says this, he says, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now we say this often, and this is true, that, that most of scripture wasn't written directly to you, but it was written for you. But in this case, Paul is writing with such a broad view, he says, to the people, all the people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Are you faithful in Jesus? Are you a Jesus follower? Then this is, this is written to you. This is for us. I think we can take this as being written to us. Okay, so I just want to establish that before we read verse 1 of chapter 4. Okay, so let's, let's look at verse 1 <clears throat> from chapter 4. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul really likes to remind people how often he was in jail, doesn't he? He really talks about it a lot. It's kind of a jailbird. Yes, Paul, we get it. You're in jail. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the, check this out, the calling you have received. Now, remember, we already established, is he, is he writing to a, a, fee, a few key, talented, called individuals in the church of Ephesus? A handful of really special, talented, attractive people? 
Is it? No. He's writing to everyone. Well, let's listen to that again then. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That means you have a calling. You have a calling. You have a calling. You have a call. I have a calling. We have a calling. You hear that? He goes on to say, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So unity is something that we already have through the bond of peace. That's what Jesus has done in us. He's bound us together and we have unity. All we have to do is keep it. It's easier said than done, huh? He says, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord. There's one faith and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's just one Christian faith. All around the world, people are gathered in their different faith traditions, gathered in churches. Some look like ours. Actually, none of them look like this. But uh, <laughs> they, all, they all look different in their own way, and they sing different songs in different ways, but there's one faith. We're, we're all participants in this faith. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Joe talked about this last week, right? About through grace, God has given gifts to his church. Now Paul's going to tell us why that is. He says, this is why it says, now you'll notice there's quotation marks up here, right? He said, this is why it says. Why, does it, why are there quotation marks there? Paul is, he's quoting from the Psalms. Look at what he says. He says, when he ascended on high, so David wrote this. A thousand years before Jesus, David wrote this. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, Paul does something tricky here. Is he just quotes part of the psalm, and he kind of inverts it. And he does that so that Christians like us, followers of Jesus, years down the road would read this and go, that sounds familiar, but not quite right. And we'd go and hunt out that psalm and look and see what it says. And in Psalm 68, verse 18... David completes that thought, that thought. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to people. And he says, he tells them why. He says, so that, so that he may dwell there. You see, God distributes these gifts. Jesus left these gifts with us so that he could dwell among his people. He's building a new kind of kingdom on earth so he could dwell among us. When we say that wherever two or three are gathered, there he is. We're gathered, we're using our gifts, and Jesus is suddenly here among us and with us. David prophesied about that 3,000 years ago. That's pretty cool. And then in parentheses, Paul explains, he, he explains what he means. He says, when, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Thanks, Paul, for clearing that up. That's now, that's, uh, yeah, that's complicated, isn't it? Here's what Paul's doing. Most of us would read that and we go, huh, all right, he ascended and then descended and then ascended. Okay, and then we just keep going, right? I've done that my whole life. I didn't do that this week. I was doing a little bit more reading and a little more study, and here's what I found. Here's what I found. Paul brings special attention to this term, he ascended. It's actually one Greek word. And it's used a few times in the New Testament. One time, it's, that same word is used to describe Zacchaeus climbing the tree to see Jesus. 
But another time, and I think this is the time that possibly Paul is drawing our attention to, is when, Paul, or when Jesus tells a story. We call it the parable of the sower. Jesus tells a story about a sower, and he's sowing seeds. This is how seeds were planted. And many of these seeds, you might remember from the story, they fall on ground where they don't take root, and they, they die, and they're eaten by birds. But some seeds, narrow is the gate, remember? Some seeds, they fall on earth that is ripe for harvest. They fall on earth that is uh, fertile, and they're planted. And then he, and Jesus uses this term that gets translated as he ascended there. It, it, they, they grow, and they bloom, and they spread. The seed went to the ground. It descended. Jesus descended from heaven, and he, he sprinkled gifts among his people. And then something happens. We begin to grow. We begin to increase. We begin to ascend like Jesus did. We, we lift our countenance up, and we look, and we realize there's more to this life than just being born and living and dying. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. All right, so this is, these are the gifts we came here to talk about. So Paul says this. He says, so Christ himself gave. He gave. He gave the apostles, and he gave the prophets, and he gave the evangelists. He gave the pastors and the teachers, and he gave them to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's why he gave these gifts. He tells us so that people would be equipped for works of service, so we would grow in our unity and in our faith, in our relationship with one another, attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ, meaning that as we activate these gifts, as we use them, as we grow with one another, we begin to together, collectively, we can't do it apart, together we begin to look more and more like Jesus. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That sounds pretty good. Have you ever been fooled or tricked? Yeah, I have. it doesn't feel good, huh? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. I, at work, I get these, um, these very specific targeted emails. They're, it's a scam. And it's like, I, the detail they know is like really surprising. And the first couple times I got them, I thought, oh, you know, and I'd try to follow it up to see if, you know, we could make a sale to this person. And it's like, you know, someone in some other place that, you know, they want to take your credit card and the whole thing. And it's like, it's kind of a dirty feeling, right? Feeling like, man, there's a person out there that's trying to hurt me by tricking me. And, and what Paul is saying is there's, out here in the world, there's, there's people that, whether intentionally or not, they, they would seek to deceive you. So what is, our, what is our defense against that? It's not just by, it's not becoming smarter or wiser. I'm sure that doesn't hurt. But it's by, becoming, by coming together and growing in our knowledge of Jesus and becoming more like him together. See, the key word there is together, right? And he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love 
as each part does its work. So we call these the equipping gifts, if you were wondering what the, the name is. This is our own name that we, you know, people have made up, but it's a good name because they help us with equipping. They're the equipping gifts. And you'll notice that the last couple of weeks we've been talking about these gifts that God gives us and that they're, they're things. They're things that God gives us. Maybe not physical things, but they're ideas and concepts that he's given to his church. But in this case, what's the difference? The equipping gifts are not things or concepts. They're people, right? God has gifted people to his church. They're not just roles to be filled or skill sets but specific people that God has gifted to his church to help equip the believers for the work of the ministry. But here's the thing. I think there's a lot more of these than we think. There's a lot more. You know, we tend to immediately kind of picture, oh, yeah, I know a few of these equippers. There's two or three or four. No. There's dozens. There's hundreds. There's thousands. And they're us. They're us. Do you you guys... uh, Follow the, the Marvel movies. Have you watched the Marvel movies? I, I'm a big Marvel Comics fan, and uh, I was before the movies. I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I, like, <clears throat> they were just a fulfillment of my childhood fantasy, actually. But the, watching these movies, you know, first you had like Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, and then they all come together, right, in the first Avengers movie. Do you, you guys remember this Avengers movie, right? And at the end, there's that iconic shot where there's these six heroes. They're so colorful and powerful, and strong, and talented, and good-looking, you know, and they're all, like, in this shot, facing down this evil army in New York, and, and, there's, and there's just six of them, and that's kind of, I think, the picture that the American church has given us of what church should look like. Let's help support, let's just be, like, shield, you know, where we, we just support those people doing the real work out there, and the rest of us just kind of, you know, we just serve, you know, we just come and maybe help them do the real stuff, right? But then, you know, if you follow the Marvel movies, at the very end of the last Avengers movie, Endgame, you know, there's a, there's a threat that's way beyond the ability of six talented, colorful, attractive people. And, and, and at the end, here's Thanos with all of his thousands of soldiers and, you know, coming to destroy the Earth. And when Captain America, Captain America steps on the, the field and he says, Avengers assemble, how many people are behind him? Like all of the people. Like all of everyone shows up. And, they're all, and everyone who answers the call is an avenger. And I think that's a much better picture of the church um, and what God intended for his church. Everyone who answers the call is a part of this mission and is one of these types. <clears throat> so I want to just take a second and just because here, I, I just, I'm just going to tell you what I hope to have happen. I hope to have this happen, that, that you would have come here not thinking of yourself this way and leave here thinking of yourself in a new way, that you might be gifted in one of these ways, okay? I'm just telling, I'm laying it out there. That's what I'm hoping will happen right now, okay? In fact, God, I just pray right now that you would help us in the way that we see ourselves. If we have wrong ways, misconceptions of of who we are and what we are, God, I just pray that those things would be broken right now, that you help us see through your eyes who we are, who you intended us to be, in Jesus' name. So there's this list, right? Prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And you know, it, these, these are words that are, it's very hard for your average person to be like, oh, yeah, I think maybe I'm, I'm one of the, uh, you know what, I'm an apostle. Uh, that's what I am. That's, n- who says that? No one's, in fact, in fact, I'll just tell you, if you meet someone and they say, I'm an apostle, r- run away from that person. 
or, or a prophet. You know, in fact, I heard someone say this. This is really clever. Everyone, everyone who's ever claimed to be a prophet who said, I'm a prophet, whoever claims that, they are one. They're either a prophet or a false prophet, and much more likely the latter, right? So again, run away. But, but these are more like, it's more like this. Have you ever, have you ever got like a stamp on your hand? And, and then, you know, that's the, that's the real stamp. And then have you ever, what, like, have you ever done this? You know, you get your friend's hand, you go, ah, you know, and now you both have the stamp, you know what I mean? And then th- if that person does it, we're like, you know, there were prophets and there were apostles in this first century that, got, that Jesus anointed and gifted to the church. And we're several iterations away from that. We're, we're, our, our stamp's a little bit faded now, right? We're, no, one, no one here is an apostle or a prophet, but we might, we might behave in a way that acts out those types of gifts. We're kind of a shadow and a type of that thing. Does that make sense? So let me give you some other words. In fact, I brought them to put up on the screen, um, some alternate words so that it might be easier to wrap your head around. So um, you might not say to yourself, I'm kind of a prophetic type, but you might say, I can resonate with the idea of being a visionary. I see the big picture. I, 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 can, I can see what might need to have happen. I can, I can visualize really cool things happening. This is not me. I, I'm not good at this. I'm not, I'm not good at thinking big picture or like, like, every time I get in a room with someone, like Danny Bennett is very much like this. You know, if you get in a room with someone that has really big ideas and he goes, yeah, what are your ideas? And I was like, well, maybe we could just kind of do the thing with this other thing. I don't know. Maybe we could do that. And he's like, Okay, well, but how about this? You know, and you go, oh wow, that's amazing. That you know, that's that's a visionary, someone that has big picture, big vision, and they hear from God. These ideas are from God, and and maybe that's you. Maybe you you look at your life and you think, you know, I feel like sometimes God gives me ideas. You should do something about that. We need you. Apostles are activators. They're people that. They want, us, they want everyone to be able to play a role. Activators are people that are always looking around like, oh, this person is kind of on the outside. Let me get them involved. Let me get them engaged, right? Let me find out what they're good at so I can, I can um, connect them. You know, these are like connectors, people that connect one person with another. And, um, you know, maybe that's you. Maybe you think, yeah, I look around the room and I see this person, they're good at that, and there's this, this unmet need, and I just want to make that connection and do that. If that's you, you should do that. We need you. Evangelists. This is one, I mean, who wants, to, who wants to say I'm an evangelist? Like, nobody wants to say that, right? But these are inviters. These are inviters. These are the people that make sure that everyone is welcome. Like, people, they're always having people come to their house. Come over to my house. Come on. You know, let's go out to lunch. Let's do something. They want to make sure that every person is included. These are inviters. If, if you resonate with this, in fact, there's a lot of these people that just don't realize that's what they are. If you resonate with this, if you want to see the, the maximum number of people come to know Jesus, you should do something about that. We need you. And pastors, this is probably the most misunderstood word, maybe, in the Bible. And it's because of how we've behaved around this word. We, we treat pastors like they're CEOs. That's the person that does everything and gets a paycheck for it. That's not what Paul and that's not what the apostles intended when they, when they talked about this word. Pastors just simply means shepherd. It's, it's someone that looks after the needs of the many. It's someone, do you know someone like this? I bet you do. They call in and check on you. 
Who does that? Right? Who does that? Like, that's not me. I don't, I don't, I will never call and check on you. I'm sorry. That's just like, that's not, it's not my gifting. If I am doing it, if you, if I ever call and check on you, just know that that was an act of pure obedience to God. Like, he met me on the road to Damascus, you know? Because it's just not, that's not my gifting. But some people are really good at this. Have you noticed this? Have you ever met someone that just calls and shit? Hey, I just want to check and see how you're doing. That's amazing. Really. If that's you and you resonate with that gifting, you should do something about that. We need you. Lastly, teachers. You know, most people, most people would say, I, you know, I don't want to stand in front of people and talk in front of people and... And, um, but teachers are more than that. They're explainers. They, they want to simplify the complicated. They want to go, hey, you know what? Actually, it's simpler than that. Let me just explain how this works. Let me just show you. This is me. I, I like doing this. This is, this is definitely the thing I'm called to for sure. But if that's you, if, if you resonate with that idea of, of wanting the maximum number of people to, to not misunderstand something that's really important, you should do something about that. We need you. So this is the big idea that I, I want to leave you with today, this idea. I want us to hear this, that when you say yes to his call, you become more than just gifted. You become the gift. You are the gift. Here's, here's the thing. This is largely how, over the years, how I'm speaking uh, with kind of a broad brush here, but this is, this is largely how the church in America has, has functioned is that up here you have some really shiny, talented, called, gifted people, and everything else, the structure, the organization, and all of the people that come, they prop them up, right? And they build this beautiful pyramid until it all falls apart. That's, yeah, that's kind of how, how it's worked. Now, some, some churches get really, they look at the scriptures and they go, oh, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. And so, so what they do is instead of being this, you know, a bunch of talented people at the top and everybody else just kind of serving like cogs in the wheel. They, they invert the pyramid. This is pretty clever. In this way, they go, you know, the, the people that are most called should be serving underneath everybody else. That's, that's a good way to think about it. I think that's some forward progressive thinking. But I think Paul maybe takes it a step further. Having read this now, this passage hundreds of times, this is how I've come to understand this. I think it's a circle with a bunch of circles in it. I think this is the church, and he gifts into the church people with callings to help equip other people. But then when they do that, those people become called to equip other people, and those people get called to equip other people until we're all equipping each other. I don't come to this church to equip you for the work of the ministry. I come here so that we can equip one another for the work of the ministry. Does that make sense? So how do we do that? How do we, how do we get from this to this? Well, I think it's something like this. First, it's each of us on our own discovering what you were meant to be. You've got to discover what you were meant to be, what you were designed. You were, you were designed and handcrafted by a God that loves you and made you the way that you are. You are the way you are because God made you that way. So ask three questions. Ask people that you trust, what do you see in me? What do you see in me? Right? Ask yourself, what part of discipleship am I most drawn to? That's what we're talking about is discipleship. 
What, what part of that am I most drawn to? What do I gravitate towards when I think about people and the kingdom? And then finally, ask God. Ask God, how do you want me, God, how do you want me to build up others? How is it that you want me to serve and function? Ask those three questions. And, and part of this, too, is we have to celebrate the, the gifts of others. You know, if <clears throat> I'm a hand and you're a foot, but I can't say we don't need feet, you know? How do we get anywhere? It's, it's we celebrate one another. We, we, we all have differences. And that's okay. That's okay. In fact, it's part of it. It's part of it. And lastly, I think that we can activate our gifts. We can activate our gifts to help others find and follow Jesus. That's what we're doing. You know, we're, we're now uh, in this county, we're one church with three locations. In fact, immediately following this, I'm going to run up to Scotts Valley and give this message before coming back to the 10 o'clock service and do it, or 11, what time is it? Yeah, the 11 o'clock here. And, um, and I love doing that because I love seeing all these different parts functioning in these different places. And we intend to grow more beyond just three locations. We tend to, to add more. And to do that, to do that, to accomplish that, we need to all be functioning in our gifts. We need to all step into the life that Jesus has called us to. You know, I want to leave you with this picture, and then we're going to pray. Um, imagine this idea that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he... Um, he opened up a venue, and in this venue is the most amazing concert of all time. The music, the experiential uh, components, the art, it, it's amazing. He's the promoter, and he's standing outside the building, and he called 12 people, and he said, everyone should get an opportunity to hear this concert. It's amazing. The music is fantastic. It's going to change your life. And he called 12 people, and he said, here, the only way you get in is if you get a stamp. And he stamped the hands of 12 people. And then he went inside. Now, those 12 people could have looked at that shiny, gooey, bright red stamp, and they could have said, great, I get to get in, and just gone inside. And that would have been the end, right? But they didn't. They went out into the world, and they turned their stamp over, and they left a mark on other people. And they did this over and over. And those people did the same. They took their mark, and they left a mark on other people. And those people marked other people. And those people marked other people. And those people marked other people. And the people that were marked by those people marked some people that marked you. And here we are. Now, some people have been given a gift, and they will mark the lives of hundreds of people, maybe thousands. Other, others... We might reach 20 people in our life, but everybody has a mark, a calling to reach at least one person, to bring one person with you. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831 800
2060. Thanks again for tuning in.